0: Thank you. Well, it's great to be here, and great to see so many of you here, uh, and uh, it's wonderful to be here. Now, um, I, 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 I don't want to go on about um, the same thing that uh, my, my two brothers have gone on about, but I, if I may just say this, um, uh, this conference is so exciting, and I was there at New Zealand and beyond last year, and it was a highlight uh, of my year, an absolute highlight. And, and the reason is, it's because there were folk there from everywhere, uh, from every kind of church, and from different nations even. And it's about going to the nations, and it's about proclaiming the gospel. And what I loved about uh, New Zealand and beyond, and, and what is exciting about this is, you know, guys, if we don't take risks for the sake of the gospel, on. what on earth are we taking risks for? Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and I know that Pastor Tack and, 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 and the team, you know, it's a bold move. It's a bold move. Some might say a slightly crazy move. But do you know what? that's the place miracles happen. The place miracles happen is the place where we put ourselves for the sake of the gospel and we say, Lord, either you move or we're in big trouble. And that's the best place to be because that's the place of faith. And this isn't for the sake of a conference. This is for the sake of envisioning a people to reach out. And that's why it's exciting. And I just want to encourage you. I'm going to be praying uh, for it, and I, I'm I'm jealous because the speakers you're bringing in this year, you know, like Wayne. Uh, I've been I've been listening to his stuff. We 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 watch his stuff on YouTube and and everything. And I thought I'd love to meet this guy. I would love because he's got such wisdom. And then you, you how did you do it? You, you got me to come last year and him this year. Why couldn't you have got him to come last year so I could have met him? You didn't think of that, did you? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, seriously, seriously, um, I know you're praying, but pray that. pray that God brings the people in. Not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of those who don't yet know Jesus. And that's the thing. And that's the thing. So go for it. Okay. Um, I was wondering what to speak about tonight. Because I I just want to serve you guys. I felt it was like this last year. I'm petrified of 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 doing the wrong thing. And so I've been been asking uh, my my team, what do you think? What do you think I should do? Do you think this? And uh, I'm not normally like this. I'm not normally kind of, oh my goodness, indecisive and all of that. And then when I got here, I asked Pastor Tack, do you think this? Do you think? And then I thought, you know what? The easiest thing, because I, I know, you know, some of you are tired and, you know, you want an, an early night, is if I just preach on one verse in the Bible. Because how long can one verse take? It can't take, it can't take that long. And then when I was thinking about which verse, I thought, why don't I preach on my favorite Bible verse? And I've had different favorite Bible verses over the years, but this one's stuck for the last few years, and I think it might stay my favorite until I die. And I'm just going to talk on that, and then uh, we're, we're going to see what else happens. Um, uh, but um, it's from uh, the book of Zephaniah in the Old Testament. Now put your hands up, all those of you who have read the book of Zephaniah, Uh, Everyone who's read the book of Zephaniah, put your hands up. Ah. Okay. Put your hands up, all those of you who have never read the book of Zephaniah. I want to talk to those of you who have never read Yes, I'm talking to you who have never read the book of Zephaniah. And I want to say to you, read the book of Zephaniah because one day you will die. And if you die knowing Jesus, you will go to heaven and somewhere in eternity in heaven, you will meet. Zephaniah. How will you feel when he says to you, have you read my book? And you say, what book? If for no other reason than that, read the book of Zephaniah. Now it's only got three flipping chapters. You can do it in 12 minutes. I timed myself once. And if I'm honest, the first two and a half chapters, they're good because they're the Bible, but it's kind of full of woes to different groups of people. And then halfway through chapter three, I'm spitting a lot tonight, aren't I? Um, you may want to, have you got a blanket for the front rows? Um, Halfway through chapter 3, there comes, hidden away in the book of Zephaniah, this amazing verse. And it's verse 17. And I'm going to say it to you, and then we're going to talk about it verse by verse. like Well, no, line by line, because it's one verse. And it goes like this. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. That's a good verse, isn't it? That's my favorite verse. That's a good Now we're going to go through it line by line. The first line, "The Lord your God is with you." And do you know, you know, as Christians, we can say that in a very trite way. Because we're so used to saying that. You know, Christians that come like me from more traditional churches. You know, at the beginning of the service, you know, the guy in the dress gets up and says, The Lord is here. And then everyone else says, His Spirit is with us. And then in more hip and trendy churches, you know, after a really good meeting, people say, The Lord was really there today. As if He wasn't there last week. You know, I've always wondered about that. And and, and we say that in different ways. And I I just wonder if sometimes we say it and we don't think, wait a minute, what am I saying? The Lord your God is with you. You see, God did not one day open a door from a window in heaven and shout down, I love you from a distance. He came himself. He took our skin. We've just been celebrating Christmas, the birth of the Savior. And one of his names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And you know, uh, um, uh, when, when the Lord met Moses at the burning bush you know Moses, Moses had. I, I just love that story because Moses is giving every excuse and when the Lord commissions him to go back to Egypt and bring Israel out of captivity and Moses his first question is who am I that I should go and isn't that, isn't that a question that so many of our generation are asking who am I I don't know who I am anymore. Am I my Facebook profile? Am I my Instagram photos? Or am I someone else? Who am I? And do you know? Do you know when he says, when 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 um, when Moses says, "Who am I?" Do you you know how the Lord answers? He says, "I love it." He says, "I will go with you." (laughs) And if I was Moses, I would have said, "That's very nice, Lord. Thank you for that sentiment." Uh, But that's not actually the answer to my question. Let me see if I can rephrase the question for you. The question goes something along the lines of, who am I? Do you notice what the Lord does? He doesn't answer Moses' question. Because Moses is asking the wrong question. Instead of asking who am I, he should be asking who are you? And do you know what the Lord says? The Lord says, "It, it really doesn't matter. What matters is, I will be with you. I will be with you and do you know at the end towards the end of Israel's 40 years in the desert the penny dropped in Exodus 33 the Lord after the people of Israel had sinned with the golden calf and messed up and and the Lord has just at one point thought you know said look Moses, lead the people into the promised land, but I'm going to stay in the desert because if I go with you, they're so rebellious and they're so, I, I, I may get cross and, and, and finish them and I don't want to do that. And then the Lord changes his mind and, and, then, and then the Lord says, I'll, I will go with you. And, and, and Moses says, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. For what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth except that your presence goes with us? And can I tell you, I've traveled in many countries all over the world and I've done a study of these things. I've I've compared Christians and non-Christians in many, many different nations and here are my conclusions. On balance, Christians are not more intelligent than non-Christians. Christians Christians are not uh, uh, better looking than non-Christians. Christians Uh, Christians do not tell better jokes than non-Christians. Christians Christians, uh, do not have a greater fashion sense than non-Christians, although some of us do. It's It's not that... Do you know the only difference? Do you know what distinguishes us? It's that we're the people of his presence. The Lord our God is with us. It's that that makes all the difference. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us special. We're the people who carry his presence. And so, the Lord your God is with you. Second line. But what sort of God is it who is with us? He is mighty to save. What does that mean, he is mighty to save? Swedish intern, come here. Just stand there, quickly. Hurry up, we haven't got time. Stop there, Stop. face them. All right, he's one of my interns, he's from Sweden. He likes building wardrobes, Ikea and all that. All right, flex your biceps. All right, go away. Go away. Now, I want you to keep that image of Lucas in your head for a moment. And imagine I'm walking down a dark alley late at night with Lucas the Swede. And walking the other way is a gang of gangsters. Gangsters. And the leader of this gang of gangsters comes and stands in front of me like this, and he says, "What you staring at? Ah, 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 ah. You want to you you, you want to start something? Ah, 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 ah. You you want to make something of this? Ah, ah. I would look at him. I would look at his friends. I would look at Lucas." I would look down at me, and I would run for my life. Because I've done the maths. We are going to get killed. But imagine if I'm walking down a dark alley late at night, not with Lucas, the furniture-loving Swede, but with Iron Mike Tyson, in the days when he could beat people up. And walking the other way is a gang of gangsters. And the leader stands in front of me like this. And he says, what you staring at? I would look at him and I would say, nothing very much. And then he would say, you, you want to start something? You, you want to make something of this? I would pause. I would think for a moment, and then I would say, yeah, yeah, maybe I do want to start something. Maybe I do want to make something of this. And then I would say, Mike, bite their ears off. (laughs) Now, in this example, and this example alone... The Lord our God who is with us is a lot more than Iron Mike Tyson than he is like Lucas the Swede. Because the God who is with us is mighty to save. He's a God with biceps. He's a God who makes a difference. He's a God who changes people's lives. He's a God who turns everything around. And you know the amazing thing about this God who is mighty to save? He didn't make himself more powerful in order to save. He made himself weaker. You see, God couldn't have made himself any bigger in order to impress us. So he made himself smaller in order to reveal his love for us. And do you know how he saved us? By being nailed to a tree. The creator of the universe. The creator became like his creation. And allowed his people to murder him. And in weakness he displayed his power. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. What does it mean, he will take great delight in you? Well, um, I spend half my year in different countries, but the other half, I'm at home. And uh, when I'm home on a Sunday, nearly every Sunday I'm home, I go to my mum's for Sunday lunch. Now, you may think that I go to my mum's for Sunday lunch every Sunday I'm home because I'm a good Greek son. And my mum lives on her own and she's 90. And I want to go and make sure she's all right, that she hasn't fallen over or eaten the cat or anything like that. (laughs) If you thought that, you would be completely wrong. I go to my mum's for lunch every Sunday because she cooks the best Greek food there is. And before, wait a minute, it gets better. And before I go to church on Sunday morning, I pick up the phone, I dial her number. The phone rings. Five minutes later, she answers the phone. And she says, hello. And I say, hello, mum. And she says, who's that? And I say, it's your son. And she says, which son? And I say, it's Michael, your son. And then she says, Michael, my son, it's you. She always repeats everything I say. And then I say, Mom, today I am coming to you for lunch. And she says, Michael, my son, I am so happy that today you are coming to me for lunch. For I have cooked your favorite Greek food. I have cooked for you moussaka. I have cooked for you Gleftigo. I have cooked for you dolmades. I have cooked for you magaroni du furdu. It's okay. I'm back. I just had a moment there, and I say, Mum, I'm coming. But first, I have to go to church. And I go to church and the worship goes on forever. Goes on and on and on. And after a while I'm thinking, how many times do we have to sing this song? We, we've told him already. We know. We know. It's, it's the 16th time. And then I'm thinking, someone give me a gun to shoot the drummer, please. Somebody give me a gun. And then eventually the worship stops, and at the end of the sermon, at the end of the ministry, the service finishes, and in my in the church, I, my church, everyone stops to have coffee and talk to you, and they all come up to me and they say, hello, have you had a nice week? How's your week been? And I'm standing there. And And I'm thinking, please leave me alone. Don't you people have homes to go to? Please leave me alone. Uh, And then I'm thinking, I don't even like you. And the trouble with that is I'm the pastor of the church. And eventually they go home. I get into my car. And I drive the 30 minutes to my mum's house. And as I'm driving, I can see the dolmades. I can smell the gleftigo. I can taste the magaroni du furnu. My car screeches to a halt outside her house. I get out. I walk down the path. I knock on her front door. Ten minutes later, she answers the door. She opens the door and she says, Michael, my son. And I say, hi, mum. Where's lunch? And I sit down and she brings it to me. She brings it all to me. And I don't know what to eat first. And and for a moment, I'm paralysed by ecstasy. Not the drunk, drug young people. No, no, bad, the drug. The feeling. And then I try usually and eat all the different dishes at the same time. And then we have a traffic jam around here. (laughs) You see, you can probably tell by looking at me. I take great delight in food. Did you know that the Lord your God who is with you, the one who is mighty to save, he takes great delight in you great delight in you you know before this evening service I bet there were a few of you that were coming and you thought your friends invited you to come and you thought oh, I hope it's not gonna be boring I hope the speaker's not going to go on forever oh should I come shouldn't I come and and you're sitting there and as soon as I got up you thought oh no I think it is going to be forever and all of that and some of you were thinking that do you know what I think was happening one level up I suspect it was something like this two angels were talking And the first angel was saying to the second angel, God's so excited about tonight. He's had it in his diary. He can't wait for tonight. And the second angel was like, what's happening tonight? What's going on? Don't you know God's been so excited? He can't wait. He's just looking forward to it. And the second angel says, what what do you mean? You, You don't mean tonight. You don't mean the second coming. And the first angel says, no, 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 that's not until... I nearly told you. So that's the joke I don't really know. When. And and then the first angel says, No, no. In West Auckland, a bunch of God's kids are going to come together at church unlimited and they're going to worship him and they're going to sing songs to him and a couple of the songs are going to get a bit lively and and some of the people are going to are going to dance and some of the people who are not into dancing so much are going to pretend to dance and 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 all of that and you know the father can't wait to meet with them because he loves them. He loves them, he wants to bless them. He wants to bless them. Do you know that God is good for you? that God is good for you, that God is for you not as a, not, not as a servant, but as the king of kings who comes to be strong among you and to bring salvation again and again and again? A, a few years ago i was um, I was speaking at some meetings in a part of England, and um, I was with a friend of mine who's a worship leader called Matt and we were doing it together and we were staying at this family's home and it was a husband and wife and three boys and the youngest was a baby called Ben. And Ben was about nine months old, and, and Matt and I were in the living room while mum and dad were finishing off the, the, the dinner before we had the evening meeting, and they were putting the dinner on the plates. And I love little babies, I really do. And I was playing with little Ben, and, and I was going, Goochie, 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 Goo, Goochie, Goo, Goochie, Goo. And, you know, he was probably thinking, What an idiot, but he couldn't speak, so he couldn't say anything. And then, as I was going, Goochie, 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 Goo, suddenly, I sensed something in the nappy region. <laughs> I felt it, and then I smelt it. And I don't know why, but I get embarrassed when that stuff happens. I mean, it was a little baby. What I should have done was said, "Mum, here's b- baby, change, then bring back. But I didn't. And I was like, goochie, oh, oh. And I thought, what do I do? So I started going like this. Gucci, Gucci, goochie cool, Gucci, cool, Gucci, cool. Well, after a while, my arms started to get tired. And I was like thinking, I can't do this much longer. And I thought, I can't throw him away. They've made laws against that these days. And then I had a brainwave. I looked at my friend Matt and I said, hey, Matt, here's Ben. And Matt caught Ben and he started going, Gucci, 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 oo. And then, before long, he was going, Goochie, Goochie, Goochie-goo, Goochie-goo, Goochie-goo. Well, after a while, little Ben started to cry. I think the combination of his nappies being full and running over, being hungry and smelling the food, and being stretched prematurely <laughs> caused him to cry. And just at that point, his mummy came in with the dinner, and God spoke to me through what happened next. Because, do you know, for years, when I became a Christian... I kind of, you know, for the first years, I knew God loved me, but I thought he loved me because he had to. And he made the plan of salvation, and when he made the plan of salvation, he kind of forgot that I might say yes and come in and sneak in, and that God's attitude was, you know, like, oh, well, we, we love Mike, but when he gets to heaven, can we put him in a corner where he can't cause too much damage? You know, I thought he loved me, but he didn't like me very much. That was the feeling. I knew in my head that was wrong, but that was in my heart. Because of things that happened to me in my past. And then God spoke to me. He spoke to me. Because little Ben's mum she took her little baby and she fed him. And do you know what? She didn't hold him like this. She held him like this. And she fed him. And God said to me, you think the way I love you is like this. but I love you like this. I hold you close with your mess, with your stuff. I hold you close because I love you. Because I love you. Because I love you. And you think you'll, you look one way, but I see you in another way. Because I see you in the way that I made you. And I see you in the way that you're going to be. Do you know in... Um, In 1955 in the States, um, there was a lady called Catherine Henson and uh, it was spring and she was spring cleaning and she was was getting rid of all her old clothes and she found in her wardrobe this worn old green coat that she'd had for years and she thought, you know what, I can't, I'm going to throw it away, I can't even give it, you know, for others to, it's too worn out. And then one of her sons, her eldest son, you know, asked her for the coat. And she was like, really? You want this? And he said yes. And he took this old discarded coat that she thought had become ugly and frayed and useless. And do you know what he did? He turned that coat into a film star who was Oscar nominated. He turned that coat into a celebrity who had a public international relationship with the best-looking pig on the planet. He turned that coat into Kermit the Frog. And if Jim Henson could turn afraid discarded green coat into a banjo playing frog that would be Oscar nominated and be famous around the world, then God can take you and me and turn us into something wonderful. Something wonderful. Something amazing. Something, because you know what? Where where everyone else saw a frayed old coat, Jim Henson saw Kermit the frog and God can see what he's created you to be and he loves you and he will never you know he loves you because he loves you because he loves you he will never ever change his mind about you the Lord your God is with you he is mighty to save he will take great delight in you number four he will quiet you with his love what does it mean he will quiet you With his love, a a, a while ago I was shopping uh, in a supermarket in England, and I was by the frozen food section. Uh, In fact, I was I was by the ice creams, which is where I do all my shopping. (laughs) And um, and as I was trying to decide how many tubs of different flavors I would could put in my trolley, I noticed along the the line by the frozen peas, I noticed that there was a little boy. I know he was about like three or four years old, and this little boy was standing on his own by the frozen peas, and he was going like this. He was going, (laughs) and immediately I thought, there's something wrong here, because I have the spiritual gift of discernment, (laughs) and just at that point, these two old ladies came up to the little boy, and they said, hello little boy, are you lost? have you lost your mummy? And the little boy went, (coughs) (coughs) and he let out this yell that would pierce the air, and it was horrible. And before long, a message came over the loudspeaker system. Would the mother of a little boy who answers to the name of, (coughs) ah, please come to the frozen peas and collect him? Well, fairly soon the mummy arrived, and she picked up her little boy, and I was watching from behind, and she was holding him. his head was there, and she was saying, "Come here little boy i 'm so sorry I lost you it 's all right mummy 's here come on little boy it 's all right you see she didn 't know his name either come on little boy it 's all right i 'm so sorry I lost you i 'll never do it again and she was just holding him and, and patting him and talking to him, and as she did it, as I was watching the little boy he went like this, he went, ah. <laughs> have you noticed they always hiccup at the end? And as he was doing that, she was saying, it's okay, I've got you, I'll never let you go. What was she doing? She was quieting her little boy with her love. You seem a very happy crew, and I know you are, but I am absolutely sure, if you're at all human like the rest of us, there are some of you here. That on the inside, you're crying like that little boy. You feel lost, you feel alone, and you don't understand what's going on. Life hurts. Life actually really hurts. And you're struggling. Well, the Lord, your God, who is with you, the one who is mighty to save, the one who takes great delight in you, do you know what he wants to do tonight? He wants to quiet you with his love. He wants you to cry on his shoulder and he wants to speak to you and tell you that he's there, that you're not alone and that you're not lost. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and finally he will rejoice over you With singing. Now, do you know when I first read that last line, I thought that cannot be right. That that's that that's that can't be right. It's our job to rejoice over him with singing. We do the rejoicing, we we sing to him, not he sings over us. But do you know what? That is what it says. And in fact, can I tell you the original Hebrew, which is translated in our Bibles, He rejoices over us with singing. Do you know? It could be literally and accurately translated, he spins like a top and lets out whoops of joy. That's the truth. In the original Hebrew, the the imagery, the phrase means, he spins like a top and lets out whoops of joy. I'm not saying that, the Bible says that. Over us, over me, over you. It's not a reluctant love. It is not a reluctant love. I'll finish with this. And then, well, we'll see what happens. i finish with this. I, I, I may have told you this, this story last time. I can't remember. If I have, forgive me. But it kills me. I have a friend called Ant, Anthony. And uh, he has a little girl and a few years ago, when this little girl was about, I don't know, three or four years old, her favorite toy was a porcelain doll, a china doll. And uh, most little girls, their favorite, you know, they love dolls, but they have dolls that, you know, they, they, they squeeze and they're soft and they press them and they cry or they wee or they, or they drink pretend milk or whatever. But this little girl, her favorite doll was this china porcelain doll. And they would keep the doll on the mantelpiece... And uh, every evening before the little girl went to bed, they'd take the doll down and she would kiss the doll and she would stroke the doll and she would talk to the doll. And then she'd give the doll back and they put the doll back on the mantelpiece for safekeeping and she would go to bed. And that happened every night. And for some reason, that was her favorite that that China doll. And then one day, father and daughter were having a, a pillow fight together and it got rather competitive and they were going from room to room and they ended up in the living room and somehow Ant's little girl she got underneath his defenses with her pillow and she gave him an uppercut to the chin and that wounded his pride and he thought I am not going to let my three-year-old girl beat me so he thought right I'm going to give her I'm going to give her a one that's going to send her into orbit and we'll finish the the match and so He reached back with his pillow to get the full reach. And he reached back too far. And the pillow went on the mantelpiece and hit the porcelain doll. And the doll started to totter. And the way Ant describes it is the next bit happened in slow motion. Father and daughter went like this. No as the doll fell and smashed into little pieces on the ground. And aunt's daughter looked at him with wide eyes, and she had tears in her eyes, and she said, Daddy, you've killed my dolly. You've killed my dolly. He was mortified. He said, Darling, I'm so sorry. I've got a credit card. I'll buy you another one. And she looked at him, and she said, But Daddy, I don't want another one. I only want this one. And so he picked up all the pieces, and there were loads of little pieces. He took them to his study. He went out, and he bought super glue. And he spent the whole of the next day trying to glue this doll together. After the whole day, he used up all the pieces, but he didn't necessarily put them in the right order. And after he finished, the doll looked like this. And he took the doll to his little girl, And he said, look, darling, I'm so sorry, this is your doll, I'm so sorry, I promise daddy will buy you another one. And she looked at her daddy and she said, but daddy, I already told you, I don't want another one, I only want this one. And her dad said, but darling, this one's broken. And she looked at him and she said, just because she's broken doesn't mean I can't love her. And that's what God wants to say to some of you tonight. Just because you're broken doesn't mean he can't love you. And it doesn't mean he can't fix you. And it doesn't mean he can't turn things around. Do you know why? I'll tell you why as I finish. For this reason. Because the Lord, your God, is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He quiets you with his love and he rejoices over you with singing.